Listen to Pastor Franz as he unveils to you the mysteries in the Word of God. Everyone that is a candidate of having an encounter with destiny is a man who says, Who am I? If Satan knew that Jesus was God Almighty, he wouldn't touch him. And we won't be saved when the world is talking. Step into Bible. They will leave you alone. If God manifests in three, it's not three in unity. It's one in diversity. True or false? Water, vapor, and ice is the same substance in diverse form. Jesus Christ is God Almighty. God is the God of the beginning and the ending of life. Praise the Lord. Is what? The God of the beginning and the ending of life. It means that when you begin with him, you will end well with him. Praise the Lord. Did I say something? It means that when you do what? You begin with him, you will also end well with him. So when the week begins, the best thing to do is to begin with God. Praise the Lord. In the book of Acts chapter 20 verse 7, it said, And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued in his speech until midnight, the first day of the week, they gathered. So gathering to worship God in the first day of the week is what the church was doing, the early church. Praise the Lord. Now, I am not here to run down any ministry. I don't know what revelation you have, but then, by scripture, the church was gathering the first day of the week. And I believe also that the first is always God's own. The first is always God's own. In everything that you want to do, you put God first. That's why it says, seek ye first the kingdom and its righteousness and all these things. So the first day of the week belongs to God. You see, one thing about the Old Testament that we have not known is that God uses the Old Testament to wake us up. So when God said, give me the seventh day, what he actually means is think. Whether the seventh day is what you should give me alone. You get what I'm talking about? Because if you understand me, you should know that the seventh day is the last day of the week. And so I am telling you to give me. So you think very well, then you realize that it's not just the seventh I should give you. I should give you the first also. Because you are the beginning and the end of every good thing. So he gave us the least so that we'll give him the best. You understand that? A lot of things that we run after as the law is really given to us to reason. That's why God said, come, let us reason together. Some of the things that we have made religion out of are actually given to us to reason. Actually given to us to what? Reason. You know, in the Old Testament, God said it rested on the seventh day, right? This is not what I came to teach this morning. I don't know why it is coming. God said it rested on the seventh day. Because he rested and passed the baton to Adam. The day God was resting was the day Adam was working. And that scripture of God rested simply means God rested from working on the earth. So Adam will continue from where he rested. So God's resting day is Adam's first day of work. Hallelujah. So I believe Sunday is our first day. (laughs) 
you know, the, the truth is this. If God means so much to you, you can't start anything without making him be the reason you are starting. You get a point? Because he leads and we follow. Praise the Lord. So it's a beautiful thing that we are sitting here this morning in the first day of the week appreciating God and asking him to go into the week for us to follow. This week will be one of the best of weeks for you. In the mighty name of Jesus. And what wonderful thing it is to start the week with the word of God. In Matthew chapter 24 verse 35, Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. So the word of God is what holds heaven and earth together. If the word passes, everything is dead. Praise the Lord. Today I'm going to speak on something that I had to speak on because a lot of things are going on in Christianity and it is making it look like Christians don't have direction. The Bible is Christianity. Hallelujah. Just like you say, the constitution is Ghana. Do you understand what I mean? Without the constitution, Ghana is a jungle. Am I saying something? The constitution of every nation is what makes it a nation. That's why you don't just walk into any place to do anything because there is a constitution. Is somebody here I'm talking about? Yeah, so the Bible is Christianity. Just as our constitution is what stands for our country. So anybody does anything in this country, you check the constitution to see whether he should do it or not. Am I saying something at all? It's good to start it this way for us to understand the standard. The constitution is the standard of activities in a country, true or false. So the Bible is the standard of Christian living. There's no two ways about this. Today I'm speaking on standard spirituality. Standard spirituality. And I pray that the Lord will grant me grace to speak the right words that will make you understand what I'm saying so that the devil cannot contaminate or will not contaminate the understanding of what you should receive. I always want to make sure that what I teach is understood. That's why I slow down most of the time. Praise the Lord. Standard spirituality. When you say standard, what does it mean? The dictionary says level of quality that is acceptable. Standard. Level of quality that is acceptable. Another meaning is a reference point against which other things can be evaluated or measured. A reference point against which other things can be evaluated or measured. They are standard. So, when you say standard, you mean this is how things should be done. That's the acceptable quality. So, standard spirituality means the acceptable quality of spirituality. Did I say something? 
Standard spirituality means divinely acceptable quality of spirituality. Now, why are we looking at the standard? Because God doesn't take just anything that feels spiritual or looks spiritual. He has standard. Did I say something? God doesn't just take anything that feels spiritual or looks spiritual. He is God. He knows what is spiritual. He knows what he wants, not what feels spiritual to us. Hallelujah. So when he was sending Moses to build him the tabernacle, he gave him a pattern. In Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5, look at what God told Moses. Who served unto the example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, for see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern show thee in the mount. Don't make a mistake. I have a standard. So make sure that what you are going to build fits my standard. Don't let it fall below standard. Hallelujah. Did you hear that? God has standard. God is standard-minded. It's very important. It is because we don't think God is standard-minded. That is why everything goes for God. So any church is church. Any preaching is preaching. Anything that looks spiritual is okay. No, God is standard-minded. If you are going to face the gate of hell, then you must have a standard gate. You understand what I'm talking about? Because Satan is well calculative. He calculated how he will make Adam and Eve to fall. And he did it. So if you don't have standard, you can't face opposition. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That means my church is going to operate in the standard that will make gates of hell bow. In the book of Isaiah chapter 62 verse 10, the scripture says, go through, go through the gates. Prepare ye the way of the people. We are the people. God wants us to go through the gate. He wants us to prepare the way. He said, cast up, cast up the highway. Gather out the stones, things that can make you stumble and fall. Gather out the stones. Lift up a standard for the people. Lift up a standard. That is God. Go through the gates. You are facing gates of hell. There is a standard that you need to lift to make the gate of hell bow. If the standard is not lifted, Satan will be laughing at us. Am I saying something? Satan knows what he's doing. God has standard. If the standard is not strong enough, Satan will be doing what? Laughing at us. So we don't worship God anyhow. God said, don't worship me anyhow. We don't worship him anyhow. Haven't you seen in scriptures that give glory due? Glory what? Due. First Chronicles chapter 16 verse 29. Give glory due. So there's something called glory due. Not just glory. The due glory. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. He has a standard. Glory due. So it's not everything that is church. There is a standard. 
It's not every preaching that is preaching, no. There is a standard. That is why we have a Bible. You see the point? So that when you receive the word, check. Check. God has standard. Not everything goes. Not everything goes. Praise the Lord. Am I saying something? When he called Moses to the mount, you remember in Exodus chapter 25, and he told Moses that he should, from verse 1, that he should tell the children of Israel to bring him offering, he showed that he has standard. He's asking, but he knows what he wants you to bring. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it how willingly with his heart ye shall take my offering. Then he named the offering. And this is the offering which ye shall take of them. Gold, silver, brass. It's an offering. What is offering? I am giving you. They said, don't bring just anything. I have standard. If you are bringing, bring silver. Bring gold. Bring brass. That is it. Is somebody hearing? I am God. I have standard. You don't throw things at me. I am not a dustbin. I have standard. You must worship me. Worship me in the standard I have set. Is somebody listening to me at all? You see, Christianity with this understanding makes you behave well. Makes me behave well because I know that God will not tolerate just anything in, I mean, around because, uh, I, I mean, I'm doing something. No. David wanted to go and take the ark of God. And he imagined how it would be nice. And actually, if you look at what they did, it was very nice. But it wasn't God's standard. It was nice doesn't mean God should accept. Is somebody hearing? In First Chronicles chapter 13, from verse 7. Praise the Lord. And they carried the ark of God in a new cart out of the house of Abinadab. And Uzzah and Ahio drove the cart. And David and all Israel played before God with all their might. And with singing and with harps and with psalteries and with timbrel and with cymbals and with trumpets. Beautiful. And when they came onto the threshing floor of Chidon, Uzzah put forth his hand to hold the ark for the oxen's trumble. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah. And he smote him because he put forth his hand to the ark. And there he died before God. Hallelujah. Is somebody listening? Now, the thing they did was beautiful by human standard. But God didn't accept it. In the process, somebody died. And when the person died, David got confused. And he said, ah, what is all this? God, but we did something good for you. David said, okay, I won't take the ark home. Obedidon, come and take the ark. And Obedidon took the ark to his house. And within three months... God had blessed Obedidon. Then David realized it is not the ark that is killing. It is something they didn't do well. Hallelujah. It is something they didn't do well. That is why that breach came. 
And so David went back to the book to check what didn't we do well. He discovered from the books that it is the priests that carry the ark. And remember the days of Joshua. It is the priests that lead. Praise the Lord. So he came back in First Chronicles chapter 15 from verse 1. 1 and 2. Then we jump to 11 and 13. And David made him houses in the city of David and prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched for it a tent. Verse 2. And David said, can we read this together? And David said, none ought to carry the ark of God but the Levites. For them had the Lord chosen to carry the ark of God and to minister unto him forever. That is his standard. You get the point? And because they didn't follow the standard, something bad happened. Now go to verse 11 for me. As we read on till we get to 13. And David called for Zadok and Abitah, the priests, and for the Levites, for Uriel, for Asiah, for Joel, for Shemaiah, and Eliel, and Aminadab, and said unto them, Ye are the chief of the fathers of the Levites. Sanctify yourself, both ye and your brethren, that ye may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel unto the place that I have prepared for it. Can we read this together? For because ye did it not at the first, the Lord our God made a breach upon us, for that we sought him not after the due order. The due standard. You get the point? So God will not lower his standard. God will not what? Lower his standard. God will want you to do it as he has put it down, as he has written. So you must, must worship God. Yes, you must. But seek how it is done. Seek how God expects it to be done and do it. Then you have no problem with God. But don't do something you imagine. No. He has a standard. Am I saying something? And because God does not want us to derail from the standard, he makes it to be written. How was David able to find out? He went to what has been written. He went to what has been written and discovered that, hey, we made a mistake. Oh, it was a mistake, but God accepted. No, no, God will not accept because the standard must transcend generations. And therefore, when it is a, in an error, even if it is a man after God's heart who made that error, God will not accept. He must make sure it is corrected. And that is why it was corrected. Standards must be published, it must be written so that no one will derail from praise the Lord. In the book of Jeremiah chapter 50 verse 2, it says, Declare ye among the nations and publish and set up a standard. Publish and conceal not. Let me just leave it there. A standard must be set up. It must not be concealed. Everybody must see it. Publish it. So when 
you want to follow God's standard in our time, you should know that there is something to go and look for. Because God writes. God does what? Writes. God is interested in writing. So the worship of God goes with what is written. <laughs> if writing is not important, God will not write. Is somebody hearing? In Exodus chapter 34 verse 1, God wrote, praise the Lord. And he writes on durable material so that nothing can change it. And the Lord said unto Moses, Hew thee two tables of stone like unto the first. And what will happen? And I will write upon these tables the words that were in the first tables, which thou breakest. What is he going to write on? Stone. Why? Because you can't easily claim what has been written on stone. He's going to engrave it on the stone. Say, get a durable material, bring to me, let me write on. Why? Because what I'm going to write must transcend generation. Generations unborn must come to read what I am writing. God is a writer. And he doesn't write things that you throw away. He writes things that should be preserved. Am I saying something at all? When you understand God in this way, you will cherish the written word. Praise the Lord. He has standard. I believe that among other things, God decided to choose Moses over Aaron because Moses had been trained to know how to read and write. Praise the Lord. So he chose him. In Exodus chapter 17 verse 4, or rather 14, praise the Lord. And the Lord said unto Moses, write this for a memorial in a book. Did you see it? Write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under the heavens. He said, write this as a memorial so that it cannot be forgotten. And rehearse it. Teach Joshua about it so that Joshua will always have it in mind. God told Moses, write. Because I don't want it to be forgotten. Write it for a memorial. Praise the Lord. So like I said, Moses was preferred, I believe, because he could write. You know, he attended school in Egypt. They had writing. You see, so there are some things in the world now that belongs to God. But Christians or children of God, so to say, didn't see it, but the world saw it. That's why Jesus said the children of the world in their generation are wiser. There are things that are going on in the world. Everything that is called good that is happening here. It may be happening among Muslims. It may be happening among unbelievers. If it is good, it's from God. Because every good gift, every perfect gift is from the Lord. You see? So at that time, the Egyptians knew how to write. But God has chosen a people who didn't yet know how to write. And so, God, by his own mysterious wisdom, made Moses to be brought up in Egypt because he would need him to start writing. Praise the Lord. He would what? Need him to start writing. So, you, you, you discovered that 
Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they didn't write anything. You get the point? Until he got to Moses. And Moses now wrote the beginning of the world. Because God now started revealing to him because he's gotten somebody. He's gotten a hand that can write. And so he now started revealing how he started. Adam and Eve and creation. And Moses was the one who wrote because he needed somebody to put these things down for a memorial. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. And why does God want it to be written or want things written? Because there is a liar who must not be given a chance to deceive. There is a liar. You know, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27, he said, neither give place to the devil. Neither give place. There is a liar in the system. And if he doesn't write things that should be written, the liar will come in. And Satan is smart. When we go to court and you are arguing, and then there is a liar who is contending with you, maybe concerning, uh, concerning a property, and there you didn't have the document pointing to the property, he will frustrate you. It will be your words against his. And then he will be able to floor you because he planned to steal. You get the point? So he had made these calculations. You have not planned to steal. It is yours. But you don't have what to prove. And so the one who has planned to steal had already calculated how he will go through to make it happen. So he will work it out to take it out of. Then once you bring a document, Magana, Yakari, matter ended. This is the document. This is the evidence that this belongs to this person. The liar will keep quiet. So you see, the Bible is troubling Satan. I'm telling you this. The Bible is troubling Satan because he's looking for how to enter. He's looking for how to confuse Christians. And he can't have his way because there is something written for Christians to follow. And once what he's bringing in is not part of what is written, he has a big deal to fight. Praise the Lord. That's why the Berean Christians were smart, that they were called noble. Right? Noble. Noble. Why? They knew whatever they are being taught is documented and you can find it. These days you can't, you can't deceive anybody because there is Google. Tell a lie, they will Google. Why you are teaching them in the classroom that you think they are listening? They are Googling. <laughs> So if you told a lie, they will find it out and ask you, but this is what it says. And you'll be wondering how did they get it? Google. You understand that? Information is all over now. So without written down document, Satan is in business. Bible is gradually throwing him out of business. So you are a Christian, then be a Bible Christian. If you don't want the devil to take you for a ride. Praise the Lord. So the Berean Christians in Acts chapter 17 from verse 10 to 11 and the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea 
who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble. That's what I'm looking for. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Why were they noble? In that they received the word with all readiness of mind. And what? Search the scriptures daily. Whether those things were so. Noble Christians. Noble Christians are Bible-searching Christians. Wow! That was Pastor Franz, the Apostle of Diversity. Tune in same time tomorrow for the continuation of this powerful message. You can also subscribe to Diversity Broadcasting Network on YouTube for more of Pastor Franz's messages. Pastor Franz is also available on podcasts. Hallelujah! Jesus is God Almighty.